0: Vegas takes over. Smith comes out to the neutral zone. Deals right. Marsha
1: fires. He scores! Live. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Smith to Marcheseau, 4-2 Golden Knights. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace.
2: Welcome in, Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas, Wallace and millard out here inside t-mobile arena chris chapman back inside the finley chevrolet fox sports las vegas studios finley chevrolet on the 215 home of the i was just
0: hanging out with with our friend john paul morosi john morosi from yesterday and and i didn't even know that it was the time to start the show I, i I, you, didn't, you. you didn't give me a heads up or anything. You I didn't just want to interrupt right your in the
2: show. Yeah, I didn't want to interrupt your conversation. We were having some serious hockey talk. I could see that, and
0: then some other cool talk about uh, learning Spanish through broadcasts, whether it be yeah. hockey or with Jesus or uh, baseball. And that's my new goal: is to is to learn Spanish through sports. As we look ahead to Game Two of the uh, Stanley Cup semifinal, like right now already. Vegas is in the best position that it's been in at the start of a series. That's a no-brainer, having lost the first game to Minnesota and down 2-0 against Colorado. So Vegas is already way ahead of the game. And then you think you could take a 2-0 lead uh, over across the border and be able to finding find your game a little bit, mm-hmm. which they did in the second and third period the other night. Um, pretty... Not saying because Montreal's been a team that's pulled off two upsets already, but they Vegas has an opportunity to put themselves in a pretty spectacular position.
2: Yeah, you look at this series, and right now the Golden Knights are in control, and, and that's where they want to be with the weight of expectations and, and where the Golden Knights ultimately want to be. Uh, it's good to start this series on the right foot, but at the same time, you've got to be mindful of kind of the lessons you've learned to this point. And and just one game does not win you a series. You've got to continue to do uh, the right things in order to keep stacking those wins and put yourself uh, ahead of the eight ball all series long.
0: I'm curious to see what we see from an adjustment standpoint, whether it's lineup or tactical uh, from these two coaches. Uh, Does Jeff Petrie draw in? He did some extra work this morning. But not a ton. He mm-hmm. wasn't out there with with Jake Evans for an extended period of time. If if Petrie can go in, that's a difference maker for the Montreal Canadiens on the back end because uh, they're they're beat up right now mm-hmm. uh, on the back end. Weber's uh, got an issue that's hobbling him. Uh, Petrie hasn't uh, been in the lineup uh, in in game number one. But if they can get him back in any type of uh, shape uh where he's able to contribute then that's a change and what does vegas do for game number two do they switch things up is there a a potential change for Hag for for holden or uh uh, does does patrick brown draw back in just the, the way that they've tweaked things uh will be interesting to see the the little bit of chess match to, to by the two coaches yeah
2: I, I think that jeff petrie if he's able to draw in like if he's able to go you you, you get him into the lineup because I, I do think that jeff petrie is the type of player that on the ice given the minutes he's going to play will certainly help the montreal canadians but from the golden knights perspective from their standpoint I, i'm not convinced that we're going to see any changes it, it's not to suggest that Nick Hague shouldn't be in the lineup or you shouldn't go back to Patrick Brown and give him an opportunity. But right now, the Golden Knights are, are seemingly cooking. And I, I think that Pete DeBoer is going to throw out the same lineup here in game two. And, you know, as we get deeper into the series, maybe you see a guy that, that maybe doesn't have it for, for a game and you, you make the switch. But I don't think that's going to happen tonight.
0: Every time I've said he's and the Vegas Golden Knights will be status quo, yep. I've been wrong. Yep. And and I'm not just going against my previous predictions uh, to, to, to try and find something that, uh, that's got a little bit of grip to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think that once you get into, okay, the series shifts to Montreal, off the three-day break, you start getting into an extended uh, gap between playing games. Then... You start thinking, seeing the horizon. If you're successful, you go to a Stanley Cup final. Is that the like? That's the time where I could see them run on the table with the same lineup. But but going through this process still, uh, I'm on the uh, side now. Having watched Pete operate uh, his group through the first two series in a, in a game, mm-hmm. that uh, that there's still room for adjustments with his group.
2: Oh. Yeah, I I agree that there's room for adjustments. I just I look at tonight's game. I, I don't know that there's reason right now to make a change. Other so, than to get people in. Other yeah, other than to get people in. And, and right now, I think if you're if you're looking at it from that perspective and you're saying, I believe the lineup that we had on the ice on Monday night gives us the best chance to win, and you want to go back to Montreal up two to nothing, then maybe you don't make a change.
0: That's, that's old school thinking. That's my mm-hmm. way I uh, came up uh, with the game. Yeah. Was you didn't make a change unless there was an injury. <laughs> and and, and yeah. maybe a loss of limb uh, with the injury. But through this postseason, there's been a lot of uh, moving people in and out just for the fresher legs. Yeah. The fresher body. Uh, that's on the heels of a, a grotesquely intense Regular season. It's a good word. Thank you. Uh, that that pushed the limits of everybody's bodies mm-hmm. and stamina. We're starting to like we've kind of eased out of that. Between uh, the, there was three day breaks between that that gave them uh, a little bit of rest because they didn't get any between rounds one and two. Yeah, uh, you kind of eased off the wear and tear of of that so this this we're, we're sort of in the window of it could go either way
2: so my line of thinking in terms of this series as to when you might see a change if if you're going to get a change to get somebody else into the lineup would be game three or game five if we mm-hmm. get there because of the travel because of of crossing the time zones maybe because of the wear and tear that that type of travel could take on some players yeah. that that's maybe the opportunity you 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 go to change your line
0: bring up a great point on that because uh, vegas if it goes the way everybody hopes it does mm-hmm. we'll have to go east in back-to-back series right uh, and so that's going to take some kind of toll uh, otherwise uh, teams wouldn't fight so hard not to not to do it uh, and and it, and it does uh have a uh, Uh, an influence on the roster maybe maybe you're right on on that uh and the time to really really massage it will be in this series especially if if you can gain an advantage a two nothing advantage going to montreal then it gives you uh, a little more luxury to do it
2: yeah 100 percent. and you know the way that the golden knights are going right now and the way that the players have have responded when they come out of the lineup when they go back into the lineup if you're Pete DeBoer, you feel confident in really whatever decision you make here. Uh, but from just tactically speaking, I, I think that there might be more benefit in doing it in Game Three as opposed to tonight. A lot different feel, a lot
0: different discussion between the two of us today than there was after the opener against Minnesota and coming off the certainly the opener against Colorado. Although I think I think we we tried to calm people during those shows this uh this one here is is going forward there's not a lot that you didn't like about game number one because of what Marc-Andre Fleury was able to cover up yeah now remember game number one against Colorado Robin Leonard was under siege and he played well in that first period but Colorado was still able to to find the back of the net the difference in, in game number one here was Marc-Andre Fleury kept them even. Yeah. And, and then it led to the goal uh, halfway through the first period, and uh, Vegas never trailed uh, throughout that game. Uh, so I, I think the starts were actually pretty similar in the two, two series openers, Colorado and Montreal. Uh, and, and Marc-Andre Fleury was able to do the job to perfection. And uh, that's not a knock against uh, Robin Letter because I'm not sure anybody was, was going to be able to uh, hold the Colorado Avalanche at bay in that game. Uh, but you buy some time and you find your legs. Mm-hmm. And they were able to find their legs. That second period was a really solid transition. And isn't it uh, remarkable uh, that a year ago, and we're talking about the, the 19-20 season uh, that went into the pause, mm-hmm. second periods were such a, a big question mark about this team. And they struggled with that long change. And now it's an advantage. And, and it has been an advantage, Ryan, the second period through the entire Stanley Cup playoff run. Uh, certainly going back into the regular season. But mm-hmm. in this postseason specifically, the second period has been uh, an opportunity for Vegas to take control and ride that wave into the third.
2: Yeah, and, and they've been really, really good at it and when you kind of factor in that the Golden Knights want to have possession that they want to play in the offensive zone uh, they're looking for opportunities to, to get teams tired and then find a way to continue to roll that momentum into the next shift and when they're able to do that to perfection, they're able to take advantage, especially in that second period because of the long change and it, it's it's been a, a hallmark of this team all throughout the year and especially in the playoffs. This is when like, that's the part of the game where the Golden Knights can really take over. That's the part of the game where I think if, if you're an opponent of the Vegas Golden Knights, you can kind of feel like you're you're running against the wind, right? Like, you you're doing everything in your power just to get the puck out of your zone. And then once you do, oftentimes you get caught still on the ice because you just can't get that puck deep enough because mm-hmm. the Golden Knights have been so good in that in that department.
0: Uh, let's play a game that my, my family plays uh, at dinner time. I was okay. going to say supper time, but that would Yay. be uh, uh, And it's good. You'll, you'll like this I'm one.
2: Like your kid now. Yes.
0: Well, no. More my nephew.
2: Uh, you're old enough to be my more, dad. More and more. Really? Probably. Pretty close. You're mid-30s. Uh, no,
0: no, no. not quite. Mm-hmm. But, but knocking on the door. Uh, son. <laughs> one good... One bad. So this is what we 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 play about the the dinner that uh, that we make, and then we all have to give one one thing that is constructive and one thing that uh, is great. So one good, one bad, or constructive, coming off game number one for the Vegas Golden Knights.
2: So the good was offense from the blue line, right? Mm-hmm. Like you. You look at Shea Theodore, and we've been talking about it now for a couple of games. When is the puck gonna go in for Shea Theodore? He gets the goal, that beautiful fake, and then the pass to Alec Martinez. Shea Theodore had himself an absolute beauty of a game. Martinez scoring, Nick Holden continuing to score, Petrangelo being active. You're getting a lot of really good looks and production from your blue line. I think that's a fantastic sign for the Golden Knights moving forward Uh, the bad to me in terms of that game were giveaways in the first period i thought the golden knights didn't really do a great job of managing the puck um i thought that montreal's forecheck was was able to force some mistakes of of the vegas golden knights just in terms of their pressure so In in terms of the bat, I just want to see the Golden Knights protect the puck a little bit better. They weren't as sharp as we've seen, right? And and sharp, crisp—like you can you can use whichever word there—but like they're just for some handles that weren't where you expect the Golden Knights to be. Yeah. And that allowed the Montreal Canadiens to turn some pucks over and turn it into offense.
0: Uh, Alex Tuck was as good as Alex Tuck can be. Yeah. And that's uh, that's saying something because we've seen some some growth in his game uh, this year. And that has taken him to uh, i was just talking to John Morosi uh, we we're discussing Alex Tuck is one of those guys that could be on the u s Olympic team if he continues along this progression mm-hmm. and and the the thing that John pointed out was he seems to be a big game player, and we've witnessed that by him leading the franchise in in playoff goals. Uh, and the one thing that maybe Alex would—the uh, next step in, in, in becoming that elite player would be consistency. Well, mm-hmm. he's been consistent in the postseason, and he's raised the level of his game. And the other night, from, from a 200-foot aspect and being great in between the blue lines, you saw every positive out of Alex Tuck. Leaning on people, taking the puck to the net, generating chances— good defensively, on the right side of the puck defensively. Uh, I'm not sure that Alex Tuck can be better than he was the other night.
2: I don't disagree with that at all. And and, and we've seen it now for, I, I think, the entirety of these of these playoffs, where mm. Alex Tuck has not just used his legs for offense, but also for defense, yeah. also making it tough on the opposition through the neutral zone with great back pressure great back checks and looking to strip the puck and make plays Mm. and he's so quick he's so fast and he's such a big body that when you get that type of buy-in and commitment from alex tuck on that side of the puck it usually turns itself into offense and the physicality in his game over the last three or four games to me has been incredibly noticeable he's not he's not turning down opportunities to lay a big hit and, and those plays are really impacting the way the game is played.
0: I'll get to my constructive uh, point, but one final thought on Alex Tuck. Young players will, a lot of times, and we're talking about uh, offensive, uh, borderline elite players, goal scorers, uh, will rely on their line mates, get the puck, and get it to them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, there's it's not a bad thing it's it's about learning uh through through the process of of growing as a player I, and i think that just in in watching it alex tuck had that but it's like alex tuck has figured out he can just go get it himself take the puck and go up the ice and he might be in a better position more open mm-hmm. than he would be if he just bolted the zone and and somebody gave him the puck because he's he's already ditched one player one defensive player so i think i think there's some of that going on right now where where alex tuck has come to the realization uh that he can just go take it himself and create that chance and not to lean on his his line mates
2: how much of that comes from watching mark stone
0: oh i think there are uh, quite a bit uh and and he's now two years not two full years yeah. but uh, uh uh into it uh that that's a good point uh by you and, and nick waugh mm-hmm. same thing i yeah. think nick waugh has a lot of uh, the the same defensive uh and abilities to strip the puck that mark stone has so there's a couple of players where he can he can watch and and learn from and i have no doubt that uh, that there's been some some conversations uh along the way pete DeBoer, like we we've seen a different alex tuck the, the growth in alex tuck uh under pete DeBoer. going back to the bubble and uh, just feeding him that that confidence and and a different voice not not, I mean he was he was a good player under Gerard Glant, but a different voice and I think Pete DeBoer went out of his way when he took over this team to fill up that cup of confidence with Alex Tuck and that's once you get that then you grow, and then he's the realization he just goes to get the puck. Now, the constructive part of it for Vegas is, is a no-brainer, is can they get anything out of the power play when they get chances? Mm-hmm. Um, this, there's times, and this is going to come across as sarcastic, but it, it shouldn't, it's not meant to be sarcastic. Vegas is so good five-on-five five mm-hmm. that sometimes I think they're better off not going on the power play.
1: No, they they had possession the other night on their power.
0: There's a couple of uh, one in particular where they didn't generate yeah. uh, any pressure. But I thought their power play was okay the other night, but didn't didn't convert. Uh, that game could have been over, put to bed. Good night, Irene. We'll see you on Wednesday if the power play converts. Mm-hmm. And against a team with more uh, offensive depth. Not just the counterattack ability that I believe Montreal uh, is more uh, situated. That would have worried me a lot more than it did. B- the uh, the inability to put the puck in the net. I would like to see uh, the the power play convert. Uh, and we're we're grasping at straws here, sure, because they've been so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've won five games in a row now. Uh, but the the power play in this series, I think, when you've got Montreal on their heels the way you did at times in the second period can can change the game for you.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that. In, in terms of the power play for the Golden Knights, it, it, it's been kind of a, a point of contention, I think, all playoffs long, where you're just waiting for the power play conversion rate to to kind of match the talent that's on the ice for the Golden Knights. And for whatever reason, it hasn't necessarily worked out. But I do think that if you can kind of – find that confidence in this series and a lot of it's going to have to to be predicated on making quick decisions we talked about being crisp we talked about you know just just kind of making those decisions as quickly as possible I think with the way that that Montreal tries to pressure on the penalty kill if you're able to move the puck quickly and you're able to find some seams then you can get those goals to fall for you so I I think that that this could be a series where if the Golden Knights can figure out the, pa- the penalty kill of the Montreal Canadiens, they can gain some confidence there.
0: We're, we're kind of waiting for one of those three-for-five type nights. <laughs> yeah.
2: Right? Like it's
0: just that's about the only thing missing from mm-hmm. this postseason yeah. is for the power play just to go off one night. Here's why tonight could be the night. Shea Theodore scored the other night and made, makes the beautiful setup, as yeah. you talked about to drop uh, Carey Price and slide it over to Alec Martinez. One of the greatest fakes I've ever seen since I bought a, a tag in downtown Manhattan. <laughs> okay? One of the greatest fakes. That was brilliant. And Alex Petrangelo is playing the best hockey that he has in a Vegas sweater. Yeah. So the power play, I think with those two... Coming into form should ride that confidence and be able to break out. If if Theodore and Petrangelo, who play in different units and they flip-flop one unit, uh, number one unit, to, to the second unit, if those two are feeling it, then that changes everything when it comes to your power play. And after the other night, it looked like those two were feeling it, and it may lead to one of those Four for six, four for five, three for five, three for four uh, type nights on, on the man of that. That's, that's the the sort of uh, feeling I get from watching Theodore enjoy some success. And the, the, the fake and the setup to Martinez mm-hmm. was 223% more impressive than the Theodore goal.
2: I agree. And it was and the yeah. theater
0: goal was great. Yeah. And he used the stone screen and the beautiful face off win by Chandler Stevenson. It was textbook mm-hmm. on how to operate uh, an offensive zone face off and, and get the puck to the net and score the goal. It was perfectly executed and the, the, the coach the coaches would say that's impressive. Execution. Yeah. The skill level and just pure athletic ability on that fake and slide it over to Alec Martinez against Top three goaltenders in the world. If you you, you out fake. You got one, Carey Price, to come out. Yep. Two, drop. Yep. And three, dive over. <laughs> and a lot of times you're close on those. It wasn't even close. Mm-hmm. Like they just they just flat out scored a goal that owned the Montreal Canadiens.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I've watched that fake shot pass from Shea Theodore. Hundreds of times, maybe, because mm-hmm. it's just that pretty, right? Like, every well, single... He follows through on it, right? I know, I know. Every single person in this building believed that puck was exploding off the stick and going on net. Everyone. So do you watch those uh, there's
0: Instagram videos of, of different s- skills? Mm-hmm. The, the players just go out there and they do cool things with yeah. the puck. One of the things that's that sort of made its round in the last six months was the ability to take a slap shot and come over the puck and stop and come back. Yeah. And it's that's it's hard to describe, but when you see it on the ice, mm-hmm. it's really cool and you go how how, how, do you, how do you do that? And but it makes it look like you're going to actually it's not just come down and stop short of the puck, but you kind of you follow you follow through over the puck and yeah. and stop. Yeah. Uh, that's what he did the other night. I, yeah. I've watched it on the the, the old IG. Uh, pretty cool, eh? No, like how cool am I? Uh, I've You're watched it fairy. on those on those videos with the skill coaches and the uh, the different athletes that are on there. That's the first time I've seen it used in a game situation, and boy, was it good!
2: Yeah, and I mean, I think that that gives you kind of a blueprint, right, on how you you have to find your offense and how you've got to score on Carey Price. It's it's a lot of making Carey move, right? Mm-hmm. Like we see it on the Martinez goal, we see it on the Nick Holden goal, where you've got Riley Smith who's able to find that seam, and you've got you, you've got to make the net bigger against Carey Price, and the way to do that is to get him moving. And the Golden Knights were able to do that in Game One.
0: How do you see Montreal being more involved in the game? I'll tell you first before, before you answer. Carey Price has to play more than fifty-six minutes. <laughs> 50, he was 55 and change uh, the other night because he went out for the final four and a half uh, of the game uh, in game number one as they pressured for the extra attacker. But uh, that's just your, your best player has to be on the ice a lot more than than 55 minutes.
2: Yeah, no, that's that's a fair point. As far as like Montreal goes, I, I think you just kind of have to to build on what you were able to do well early on, and then what you were able to do with Carey Price pulled. Uh, to me, the biggest ways for the Canadians. Uh, to kind of get themselves comfortable in this game tonight is to score first. So pressure early, mm-hmm. um, and then y- you have to you have to find ways to get on the man advantage. Like for Montreal, the way that they move the puck around on the power play, knowing how good Cole Caulfield is with his shot, like I, I think that the Canadians are going to be looking to try to get themselves into situations where where they can do some damage on the power play
0: to Foley Perry. Mm-hmm. Weber, yep. Like they've got some some weapons there. Petrie, if he's back, yeah. Uh, too many penalties for both teams, but it definitely yeah. it definitely took Montreal out of their rhythm, and they they've spoken to that at every media availability about uh, just they had something going, and whether it was the over the glass another weird one the other night. <laughs> yes, and that's. By the way, when, when you shoot the puck from your own zone and yeah. it goes over the glass, it's a two minute minor for a game. The the ones that always make me laugh is when you're trying to dump it in from your own zone and go for that uh, and try and beat the icing mm-hmm. and the defenseman launches it over the glass.
2: Yeah.
0: Part of me thinks that shouldn't be a penalty because it's just so damn impressive <laughs> <laughs> that you can shoot the, shoot the puck over the glass from, from that uh, amount of distance away, but it's, it's one of those things. There's it's not what the rule is intended. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a, it's rule. It's part of it. Yeah. But uh, there, too many penalties for for both teams. I think we'll probably see a cleaner game in, in that regard.
2: That's my favorite puck over glass penalty, by the way. Like when when you can <laughs> when you can launch it over the goal, over the glass, and, and into the netting from your own side of the ice. That's just my absolute. Favorite. And I'm telling you, I can't. When I watch warm
0: up, and people aren't totally paying attention. And pucks are flying over the uh, off the crossbar and over the glass, and and potentially uh, harming people. I think I think thank goodness we have these nets behind the, the the net. Yeah. Then I see something like the shooting it over the glass from the other end. Yeah. Nobody's expecting that puck to come <laughs> sizzling, and, and it's and it's twirling yeah. down there, and yeah. so <laughs> that's another one. But I, I've always been of the belief that the puck should be live off the net.
2: You know, I don't, like I. I'm for chaos. Why not? So like I, I don't necessarily have a big issue with that. I, What's first, the difference between the the glass and the net? There's not much. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of arbitrary when you think about it. Like I'm, I'm all for chaos. Like I, I think that if you were truly looking to, um, yeah, I like I don't know if that become if that becomes like a set play or anything, but maybe it'd be fun. Be just like what we talked about. At
0: least the puck would be live. Yeah. But nobody's, the argument that uh, that I get most often is players will shoot it and it'll go over and, and the net. Well, look how
2: high that net is. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, like, I think they're physically capable of doing yes. that. But I, I think the, no, I, I don't think that's going to happen.
0: But I think that would be cool to have everybody just standing there going, where is it? And it just <laughs> plops down, some like the way it does yeah. every now and then. Hey, do, do you think Gallagher and uh, Price... Uh, uh, can square square down and showdown against uh Marcia So and uh, Marc Andre Fleury. We'll talk about that uh, as we continue because I think that there's a, a real cool matchup in those four players as we move forward. Uh, we'll take a break because we broadcast live from T Mobile Arena from section 117, high above the ice surface as they get ready for game two of the Stanley Cup semifinal on Fox Sports Las Vegas.
1: We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340
0: AM. Waiting confirmation from the National Weather Service, but this could be the hottest game ever played uh, in the National Hockey League uh, and in Las Vegas. 114 out there right now as we approach game time for... Game two of the Stanley Cup semifinal between the VGK and the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Golden Knights uh, aiming for a 2-0 series lead for the first time in the 2021 postseason. Uh, The pregame show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. The VGK radio network coming up at the top of the hour with Ryan Wallace. And then just after 6 o'clock is puck drop with Dan Duva and Gary Lawless. Uh, The series will then shift to Montreal for games 3 and 4 Friday and Sunday. Game two tonight, uh, Ryan and uh, we're looking at a situation where brendan gallagher was a thorn certainly early in mark andre Fleury. is there any way that vegas can do something similar to carry price and who is that person
2: Ooh, um that's a really really good question um as far as could Vegas do something similar to Carey Price yes absolutely they 100% can because for the Golden Knights if they're if they're playing kind of to their game they're going to spend a lot of time in the offensive zone and you're going to get players to go to the front of the net that's just part of the game plan I think against the Montreal Canadiens against Carey Price who will that player be well I'd like to say it could be Matthias Janmark. It could be Nick Waugh. Mm-hmm. It could be really anybody on on that third line for the Golden Knights. Uh, Keegan Colasare to me is is a, a player that could live there. Will Carrier could live there. Um, but I think that you can look at every line for the Golden Knights, not just single out one player. Like I think you you know you look at Max Pacioretty. He could get there. He could create some havoc too. Um, they scored with Mark Stone right there, right in front of the net, and and I think you're going to need a commitment from from everybody, top to bottom, through the lineup to kind of get in the face of Carey Price. Uh, though I, I think for comparison's sake, it'd be great if it was Jonathan Marshall, yeah.
0: just that little agitator going yeah. in there. Sorry yeah. for the word uh, little, but that was uh, that was a thing that I was thinking about uh, in in response to game number one was we saw a lot of the scrums around. Mark Andre, yeah, wasn't a lot of scrums around Carey Price. Now they scored. Jan Mark scored. I mean, they, they scored goals mm-hmm. right there, and because of net front presence. But we'll uh, we'll see if there's a, a little more attention to bothering Carey Price or uh, getting involved uh, in front of Carey Price. I just see uh, somebody in uh, is that Toga coming in uh, right now? The doors have opened early. Uh, I think that's because of the heat. Uh, uh, outside, not wanting people to be in a situation where it's uh, dangerous in and around the plaza, but uh, that's uh, I think in a toga, in a a Roman Warrior toga. Where are you looking? uh, Down uh, right near the UMC sign. Kitty Corner. He's got a jersey tied around uh, his waist. That's just a white shirt. Is it? I think, I watched he was (laughs) face front coming down the stairs. So trust me on this. I think it is uh, a toga. Did you see the person in the inflatable uh, it's, it's flamingo?
2: It's a white t-shirt. No, wait till he turns around. No, when he turns around, you know, you know what it's going to look like—a white t-shirt. No, he's got the whole uh, Roman. Uh, he's wearing a Ryan Reeves jersey around, around his, waist. his waist, tied. He's probably the listening front. to us right now. Yeah, turn maybe. around. Turn around. He's not listening to us because he didn't turn around. But it's not. Dude, the, it's not a, a toga. Like I'll bet you to- a toonie. Do you know what a toga looks like?
0: Yes. How
2: many toonies do you already owe him?
0: Uh, I think I owe him like $7.
2: Like, let's just say it's probably one of Darren's paychecks.
0: I owe him $7 in toonies.
2: That's a terrible conversion rate.
0: Look, because I was waiting for him to respond and going, "It can't be $7. Well, I, I, I was laughing when he said it's probably one of your paychecks. Uh, that's, uh, that's probably true too. Uh, the, the person in the flamingo, in the inflatable flamingo still wins it for me, but the Winnie the Pooh, uh, dress up, uh, costume was also very solid. So we got some news and notes from around the national hockey league. There's a report out there that the Colorado avalanche will not be making a coaching change. I'm a bit surprised by that. There's, uh, the whispers in my ear suggested that that was a real real possibility
2: you know it's an interesting one because i I think when you take into account the entire season that the colorado avalanche had president's trophy best record in hockey tied at least for the best record in hockey like it's, it's hard to really say that that you can make a change and get that much better but at the same time i'm not sure that that you look at that playoff series against the vegas golden knights and think that jared bednar is has the right handle on which buttons to press with his team so i mean like what he said what he said after game three yeah what he said after game three was a tough one because again like I, i can see it on both sides but maybe that wasn't the right time to deliver that message and when you Are in a playoff series, and when you're trying to get yourself over that hump of the second round, you've got to make sure that you know exactly which buttons to press. Um, I think it's a learning experience for Jared Bednar. It's a learning experience for the entire Colorado Avalanche, and you know, it's not like it's not like Colorado was upset by you know a a team that was so far below them in the standings. They they lost to a team that had the exact same number of points, and really a team. And, and more wins, and a team that if things shook out a little bit differently in terms of alignment, the Colorado Avalanche wouldn't have played until the Stanley Cup final. So I can see why you're a little bit more patient in this situation, but, you know, next season, Jared Bednar is going to have to get them over that hump.
0: I'm a Bednar guy. Yeah. I'm a Bednar fan. Uh, I didn't, like, like most of us, we, we get a second uh, to think about it, didn't like the what? Uh, how he called out his team after Game Three. Yeah. Uh, the, what made me buy into the talk that there could be a change, though, was uh, Nathan McKinnon's comments after the series. And I've been in the league ten years and haven't won. Yep. Dung. So that uh, that part made me think that there's uh, and, and there was some frustration in that. Uh, there's some Jack Eichel rumors out there. They've resurfaced and they seem to be pointing towards the New York Rangers. And we're talking about trade rumors, uh, the New York Rangers and the Los Angeles Kings. Do you think Jack Eichel is a Buffalo Saber when the season opens in October next year, or next fall? No. Where
2: do you think he ends up? Um, I I don't I don't know. I, I do think that there are teams right. Like I think L.A. makes a lot of sense. I, I do think that the Rangers make a lot of sense. I I think that there are certainly teams that have the the right pieces in a jack eichel trade i I just i wonder kind of where the buffalo sabers are trying to go where where is kevin adams trying to go in terms of what the return's going to be for jack eichel do you want players right now do you want some some really really high-end prospects because you're you're committed to a full rebuild right now if you're the buffalo sabers like what direction is Kevin Adams trying to go with the return that he gets for Jack Eichel? You have the first overall pick. Yep.
0: As we talked about yesterday, that uh, the number one rated prospect is thinking about going back to college. Yep. Uh, if you trade Jack Eichel, you can't even just say, well, we got the first overall pick coming in.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So, we're, so we're, all, we're okay. So you... It's a tough spot for Kevin Adams. Right. Real difficult spot. Uh, The fan base in Buffalo, if I'm reading them correctly, would um, not respond favorably if Jack gets his wish of going to Boston. Right. So I would say that that Buffalo will do everything possible not to trade him to Boston and not to trade him to New York. Mm -hmm. Get him out of the East. Sure. If you go in L.A., which does have some – pieces, Quentin Byfield, uh, and, and, and others. Um, that would be intriguing. I would ask for Robitaille, Blake. <laughs> 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 and go on, down those quick. You're, uh, you're
2: ridiculous. Um, <laughs> well,
0: they're all LA Kings still.
2: Yeah, no, they are. I, I mean, like, okay, listen, here's the thing, right? Like, when it comes to Jack Eichel, when it comes to the LA Kings, like, if I'm Kevin Adams... And this is, I think, where where the trouble is going to be for Kevin Adams. If I'm Kevin Adams going into that conversation with the LA Kings, it starts with Quentin Byfield. And, and if I'm Rob Blake, I say you got to trade him somewhere. I know you want. I, I know you don't want him kind of in in the East. So it doesn't start with Quentin Byfield. It starts with Alex Turcott. And 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 are you going yeah. to be able to get the right pieces to justify that trade for uh, uh, trading away Jack Eichel?
0: First. When you trade away a player like that, rarely do you win the trade. Uh, Taylor Hall, I think, was probably a wash. Sure. Uh, But uh, if you think Joe Thornton, I'm trying to go down through those, Eric Lindros, uh, Wayne Gretzky. uh, the, the, The trade that Boston and San Jose pulled off was... Crazy now. Thornton plays another twenty years. Um, so, Je- what, if, if you're if you're going into it and you're already not going to get value back mm-hmm. for Jack Eichel, find a way to fix it. Yeah,
2: I, I mean that's fair and, and to be honest, like he's under contract. You're paying if, him ten million dollars. Is he going to sit out? Well, going to give th- up ten schmil? That's the thing. Like if if you're Kevin Adams, you don't have to make a trade. No. And, and, you know, like, in, in much the same way that Joe Sackick didn't trade Matt Duchesne until he was ready to get what he thought was fair value, if you're Kevin Adams, you can absolutely play that card. If yeah. you can find a way to get Jack Eichel committed and on the ice and playing for the Buffalo Sabres, and then there's a trade that, that makes sense later on down the road, then do it. But you're not, like, you're not under any obligation right now. To make a trade.
0: No. Find out who your coach is going to be. Mm-hmm. See if you're going to work on it. But Boston and the New York Rangers, it, you're the New York uh, Ranger manager. You, you're saliv- salivating mm-hmm. uh, looking at that in Chris Drury. Uh, Boston, Sweeney trying to change the makeup. of. His, is he going to get all the – is he going after all the Buffalo Sabres? Like, if <laughs> Eichel wants to go there, that's, that changes yeah. it. Uh, not like he's pursuing Jack Eichel, but if Eichel wants to go there um, – then you've got uh, you've got you know what I do I put Taylor Hall and Jack Eichel together with the Boston Bruins. No, that didn't work in Buffalo, did it? That uh, that we already we already tried that. Uh,
2: I, I'm not giving them. It, it would be better in Boston. You there's, know that. There's,
0: yeah, you're right. It's, you're absolutely <laughs> right. Which is so sad. Uh, would, for the Buffalo Sabres. They would both Sabres. have
2: hundred points. Come on.
0: They, they'd super uh, seed the perfection line. As the best line in hockey. It's just the way things work out for the, for the Buffalo Sabres. But, no, I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything possible not to trade them to those two destinations. I want them, out of the, uh, want them out of the east. But then everybody knows that. So why would L.A. possibly give
2: up the farm? I mean, it, that's, that's the, the pickle for Kevin Adams because I think that given what everyone knows about that situation you're already not going to get fair value. And I think that it's driven down even more because the teams that can do it understand that and, and they're going to have some, some hard and fast rules that they're going to live by. Like if I'm the LA Kings, I don't do it if, if Quentin Byfield's in the, in the package. Just flat out, I don't do it.
0: I don't want uh, him to be traded to L.A. because I don't want him within this division. So I'm so, I'm selfish uh, on that side of it. We'll take a break. Uh, catching up with Chapman, uh, abbreviated edition, and uh, a little bit more uh, on the Vegas Golden Knights and the Montreal Canadiens as we approach the pregame show ahead of Game 2 of the Stanley Cup semifinal, live from T-Mobile Arena on Fox Sports Las Vegas.
1: This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, ninety-eight point nine FM and thirteen forty AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace.
0: Well, the fortress will be rocking again. Game two, Montreal Canadiens against the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, I was surprised at how many Montreal sweaters were in the building the other night. I mentioned the border was open. Yeah.
2: It's uh, like else. every
0: expat uh, in, in the United States uh, flocked into the to the arena. But uh, this this building has been great. Uh, they've uh, they've got something going at T-Mobile Arena, and looking forward to seeing what happens in Game Two tonight. Uh, Mark Andre Flurry against Carey Price in Game Two. Uh, Flurry won the opener four-one. Uh, Chapman, you've got nineteen seconds. Yeah, uh, I just want to say it was really cool to to see Cole Caulfield score that goal the other night, and his mom being in attendance and, and being able to witness him scoring that goal, because I would imagine, because he is American, that was probably the first opportunity she's had to see him play as a professional, and he delivered. So very, very cool moment there. It was the first time that, uh, that mom and dad were able to watch in person, and he scored. And I you know what I heard? That some of the Vegas fans were buying the beers.
1: Yeah, I heard that as well. That's that,
0: awesome. Uh, that, that's pretty cool. Hospitality. And, uh, and we're right along. Brian Savage is here old national hockey League. i saw he was sitting right in front of them Uh, so that was kind of neat pregame show is coming up next ryan wallace tees up game two vegas against montreal big one trying to hold serve on home ice and take a two nothing series lead on fox sports las vegas